She is a writer in Ohio. Her work has been published in the Brevity Blog, Assay Journal, and Midwest Architecture Journeys, to name a few. She is the editor of the Columbus Anthology from Belt Publishing and the Ohio State University Press, and hosts Byline Breakthrough, a podcast for writers about earning your most meaningful byline. She writes a weekly email for writers called The Weekly Prompt. It's not a writing prompt. It's a writing life prompt. Firecrackers, please welcome Amanda. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Amanda, I'm so happy to have you here. There's one thing that really caught my eye from your bio, the one that you sent me, and it is that you don't write, what is it? You don't, you write a weekly email called the weekly mm-hmm. prompt, but it's not a prompt. It's a writing life prompt. And I really like yeah. what that means. Um, well, I think about my emails, not as I'm sending out um, a prompt every week to write from. Although I find writing prompts helpful, what has helped me most in my life and my writing career has really been personal development. So um, my emails are more focused on um, kind of professional development for writers or personal development for writers, I should say. Um, I should definitely say it's personal development for writers. So typically, uh, my weekly email, um, is not always focused on writing at all. It's something from life, um, something to focus on for the week that will help expand your life or give you something to look at in your life that may not be writing related, but is going to help you lead a more focused life, therefore helping you lead a more focused writing life. So uh, can we have like uh, an example of what one of those would look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The last two that I wrote, um, I wrote one called What I'm Available For. And it was really uh, thinking through not just what I'm going to be available for, but what I'm not going to be available for and prompting the readers to consider that, that, you know, when you're making space for what you're available for, you're going to have to set boundaries. What do you want those boundaries to be? And, you know, what can you remove from your life? So you have time to write or do the things that are going to move you into the life that you really want. And then the next one was about how um, I was maybe spending a little too much time uh, watching a new television show and looking at all the memes. And although it's fun for a minute, you can quickly get wrapped up in, in fandom or <laughs> any obsession, right? You can, you can kind of fall too far down that hole. And what is that? It's fun for a minute, but when does it start to become detrimental? And when do you need to take a step back and get back to the things that mean the most? So well, now I'm the... wondering what that show was. <laughs> oh, it was, <laughs> it was The Witcher, the new Netflix show. <laughs> Henry Cavill. Um, and I've been, uh, yeah, I've been bugging everyone in my life. Have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? And 
recently someone was like, no, I haven't watched it yet. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? Like, like taking it personally, they haven't watched it yet. I can't send them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I watched it. I I didn't know there was a video game called The The Witcher, or I mean, it's based on a video game, as I understand. But I, I had watched, and I'm, I'm a big, really big fan of um, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So when I, the first thing I read about The Witcher was, oh, it's like sort of kind of more or less the same vibe, basically. I was very excited about it. But then I watched The Witcher, and to be honest, I was very disappointed. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, watching Game of Thrones, it was like, ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's Maybe funny. I didn't. I didn't make the comparison at all. Like I didn't, but I wasn't reading anything about that. But afterwards, when I started reading and looking at the memes and I was like, oh, well, that's, I don't think they exist in the same way at all. Um, one, I think that you can really tell the difference between the two in terms of one has a female showrunner and one does not. Um, but also I would think that uh, it would be interesting. One of the things I really like about it is looking at it through the lens of um, the choice to have children and, and taking that choice away and wanting it back and, you know, whether or not to use that choice. I just, I thought that was a really fascinating through line. So, um. you know, it's really funny and guys, spoiler alert, maybe, I don't know. I hope you have watched this by the time it airs, <laughs> but I thought the exact same thing, um, about that character specifically. We're not going to name characters then. Um, yeah. the, the, the same specific thing came to mind. And I remember my thoughts were, um, why? I mean, she was obsessed with one, with one thing. We know what that was. And then the price to pay was you're not going to have kids. And then she becomes obsessed about being a mom. And I was thinking, you can't have it all, lady. You can't, you know, it's, it's either or. So I, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, in terms of like psychologically speaking. but yeah. Um, you're right. And, and I see this in many other series, you know, the, the, the fact that there's a woman who's, uh, you know, child-free or decidedly child-free. She's like living the best life and like, you know, doing everything she wanted to do. And then at some point she becomes obsessed about, you know, being a mom. And it's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing uh, because we all, you know, we can change our minds. We all have the right to do so. But I feel the way they portray these characters is a little bit, um, I don't think it's very close to reality. I don't think that being child-free and then wanting to become a mother is such a, like a black and white thing, you know? I think it's progressive. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I I wish that... I mean, I think some of it is just in the time frame a lot of a lot of stories have to tell that story or to explore the nuance of it. I mean, I think one of the really interesting things about The Witcher and that particular character is that um, it brought up a lot of interesting questions about power and um, having everything, as she um, so eloquently put it, but um, but not even not even having a second to go after the answers. So yeah, yeah. So let's talk about you and your choice to become child free. Yeah. Um, when does it happen? Did, have you known for a long time? Oh, I was that kid in high school who was like, I'm never getting married. I'm never having kids. Um, and it really was not on my radar. Like it was just not something I was interested in doing. I liked kids. Um, I liked being around other people's kids, but, um, 
I think, I'm not sure if it was the way that child rearing was presented to me or if it was, you know, something the way um, I saw power dynamics in my own hometown, but I just was not interested in uh, becoming a mother who must live in one place. And that was, that was probably the big piece of it is like, I don't want to have to stay in one place for 18 years when my child goes through school. Cause that's what everyone, you know, was saying, you have to sacrifice to have children and you have to uh, be rooted to have children. And if it just wasn't, wasn't something I was willing to do, I had, um, incredible wanderlust and, uh, wanted to go out and explore the world. So I was like, not for me. It's not for me. I also come from a place I'm from a, a small town in, um, the Appalachian foothills and teen pregnancy was, uh, common and, uh, you know, very traditional gender roles were common. And I just, it was something that was other to me. It's like, this is not going to be central in my life. So, but before, before we started this, um, interview, you mentioned something about you at some point you, you started maybe thinking to, you know, considering to have a child. Mm -hmm. So what changed? Um, I met a man who I was married to briefly and he, we had conversations about traveling with the child, like think, you know. I, in my head, had, was it a fantasy? Was it something that we could have brought to fruition? I'm not sure. But um, like, I imagined the baby in one of those, like against his body while we walked around Paris. Like, you know what I mean? We would, um, the idea is that we would not have to stay in that one place. And in a sense, have it all. We could go wherever we wanted, take the child with us, did not have to conform to uh, the, that we wouldn't have to conform or be restricted to everything. Everyone always told me about what it took to have a child, what you had to give up to have a child, that you had to stay in one place to have a child. So yeah, when it was presented to me like that, I was like, I could do this. I could do this. I was also, um, that was in a time in my life. It was my early thirties. I had been traveling around in my twenties and I'd come back to um, that the Appalachian region that I was from, and I just was feeling I don't know, like not a not a midlife crisis, but some sort of I wanted some sort of not even stability. Just let me try and to see if this settled down life could work for me. Spoiler alert, it couldn't, um, but uh, I, I was trying to like check off boxes, buy a house, check, get married, check. Um, cause we did, we got married very quickly. Um, bought a, you know, we got married and bought a lawnmower. I remember thinking in my head, the way things were kind of rolling out, like, um, just trying really hard to be adults as, uh, as it was presented to us like, Oh, you guys are adults. Now you're doing all the adult things. Now it's time to have a baby. I was like, Oh, yeah. but I also remember too, um, looking for a job that would give me maternity leave. I was like, I just want to get a job where I can get maternity leave and had no idea what an uphill battle that would be as well. <laughs> like I was like, Oh, I want to get a job and start accruing maternity leave. Doesn't exist. Um, exists in very few places. So, um, 
yeah, in the end, th- that would have been very hard to manage. So, yeah, well, but was there something that like triggered something like something in your mind that you were like, what am I doing? You know, thinking about this life that is not for me. I'm not saying it's the wrong life. People, there are yeah. people who actually enjoy the, you know, the house with the picket fence and the kids and the whole thing. That's fine. Yeah. But if it's not for you, was there something that you like that happened? You were like, I need to snap out of this. Yeah. And I think some of that was um, just the end of my marriage. Uh, I was like, and even bringing my marriage to an end, I was like, what have I done? You know, this is, this is a very, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right for me. Um, but at the, I, and I stayed in the city in the house for a couple years after trying to figure out what was next, what I wanted to do. Um, and it was, it was a really hard time, like not letting go of the marriage or just like, what did I just do? What were my motivations for that? When am I just going to embrace my life as I want to live it selfishly? Right. <laughs> like when do I, uh, when do I say, you know, I, these are, these are the things that I want and pursue those things period. Yeah. You just reminded me of something that I, I read. I, I really like this this phrase and it's um it goes something like it's like you're expecting your life to start you know you're expecting something that'll tell you oh you know it started now yeah and people don't realize that life starts as soon as you're born basically um and those choices that you make I think yes sometimes you're like oh my god what did I get myself into but at the same time you're learning from that aren't you so now you know what you don't like what you like what you enjoy that's pretty cool. I mean, in the end, I mean, of course, there are situations that can be very hurtful, but in the end, uh, you get to know yourself better. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that I think that's a great point. Like, I think I was waiting for my life to start, and I thought that the like getting married, buying the house, oh, this is my life starting because that's what I was conditioned to believe. Even if I rebelled in the ways that I had, um, you know, I still had this this voice in my head that was, and I'm not sure my parents, my hometown, my, you know, American culture, I'm not really sure what it was, all of the above of, you know, you should be living this kind of life. This is what adulthood looks like. Um, And I I was coming out of this period, like I had been living in Los Angeles. I moved back to the area to live in this hundred year old farmhouse with an old college friend. I started teaching at the college in my hometown. Like, so there was a lot of transition in those years. And I, I came back um, to the area and I told my uh, best friend that I was living with at the time, I was like, I just, I want to be a full participant in my own life. Like, I felt like I was detaching too much from things to, to get the story or to, you know, survive it. <laughs> and, uh, and by survive it, I just mean like the travel. I'm not really sure. Like the um, moving myself around and setting up a life and getting to know people. Sometimes there were funny and ridiculous situations, sometimes not, but I just, I wanted to come back and be a full participant in my life. And I think that in pursuing that, I stole ideas from other people about what that was supposed to look like or what I was supposed to be feeling. And they weren't necessarily mine or emerging from me. They were definitely outside influences. Oh yeah. I mean, societal pressure for sure. It's a lot stronger that one might want to even recognize. Sometimes you're like, no, 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 this is me making this decision, but you, 
if it doesn't feel right, it's because it's not, it's not yours. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. When did you decide to become a writer? Was this after or before uh, this story you just told me? Oh, I think oh, 10 years old, maybe 12 years old. I was, um, I think part of the reason I always wanted a different life was um, my frame of reference growing up was very different. Like I didn't really look at the people around me and their lives. I had something like 16 magazine subscriptions um, coming to the house when I was, you know, a teenager. So um, I was reading about, I was reading Sassy and, you know, focused in New York. I was reading People and Movie Line and, uh, and you know, looking at the arts in Los Angeles. And I, I just had the sense that, uh, yeah, that I would, I would go on to be a writer. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't, I wasn't thinking necessarily journalism. I just, I was already a reader. So it seemed like the next thing I didn't have any models for it. Um, but I went to college and I took, uh, every single creative writing course, uh, offered by the college. And I took a journalism track. I took every writing course I could. (laughs) Um, and I still don't know exactly what kind of writer I am. I do some journalism. I do a little bit of everything, but, uh, yeah, that was an early, early decision. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that's basically what makes you passionate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you also, so you have, uh, you're a published writer, you're an editor, uh, and you also help other writers, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm really dedicated to that, um, personal development for writers piece. That's why I do that weekly email. Um, I offer a annual writing retreat on the Isle of Skye in Scotland. And that's just a week on Sky to focus on your own personal development as well as your writing career. And um, if that means one piece of writing, if that means looking at your body of work, uh, if that means trying to figure out what kind of writer you are, or if that just means all of the above, that's, that's what I'm, I'm there to talk through all of that. And how do you feel that um, helping other writers has helped you personally? Well, I think just in the exchange, um, in hearing other people's stories about what they're struggling with, it's a mirror, of course, you know, to reflect back on the areas that I'm also struggling with. Um, but I also think that I've spent a lot of time making connections for myself and therefore I have a lot of connections and, and I don't just mean like people to connect them to like gatekeepers or something. I mean like, um, connections between ideas or connections between, you know, a possible piece of writing and maybe try this in an essay. So I think it helps me to think more widely and more broadly. And uh, I think that's always super helpful as a writer and as a human being. Um, And then as I expand my own life, my writing life expands, which is that same kind of back and forth that I try to explore in my weekly email. That sounds awesome. And, and the retreat too. And I've never been, well, I've, I've been in England, but I've never been in Scotland. And I don't know why you mentioned the Island of Skye. And the first thing that came to mind was just like the color green. It's, so how does that, how does it look? Just take me through Skye. Uh, describe it for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, green. Massive green just surrounding you mist coming off the top of that 
um, green landscape, mist, uh, purple, I, the, the three colors, and it's the Isle of Skye tartan as well, are a deep purple, a deep green, and then um, kind of a, a rusty brown. And those are the colors of the land there as well. Um, you know, it's surrounded by water. It is just absolutely breathtaking at every turn. Um, it's very rural, 10,000 people on the entire island. And um, that's, yeah, that's... Mountains, mountains and wild rock formations. One of my favorite is um, the house that I stay in. Uh, one of the windows looks out onto the old man store, which is a rock formation that you can hike up to. And it looks like a hand coming out of the, um, the earth. It's not necessarily, but yeah, a hand coming out of the earth. And uh, my first time there, I was told the story of that it was the hand of um a giant that there, there used to be two giants and they fell in love and they were so in love. So they went to God and they asked God, um, they said, we're so in love. We want this to last forever. Please make us immortal. So we last, so we can love like this forever. And God said, nothing lasts forever. And he turned them away. So they went to the devil and they said, we're so in love and we want this to last forever. Please make us immortal so we can love like this forever. And the devil said, Sure snapped his fingers and turned them to stone. And that's the hand. This one of the giants. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love those folk tales. I think they're so like every single country has them and I think they're so interesting. But, oh, they are uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. putting the island of sky in my bucket list because I love that those kind of um like the scenery of just, I just pictured it just like you described it. It's crazy, like green and mist and the whole, it's being cold and rainy and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of water. And, and I don't necessarily gravitate towards places like that. I'm more like, I'm more of a beach bum, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's something about, um, you know, those places that kind of like draw, draws me in just to, just to admire, you know, what it is. So. Yeah, I I was never one for cold weather, and it's so funny. Um, I think since when did I go to Alaska? Two thousand ten. Um, I was considering a move to Alaska, and I didn't. And then I went to Scotland, and now I'm like, well, I live here part time now. Like it's, <laughs> um, it's it got me. Um, I don't know if it's the the folk stories, the people, the landscape. Um, one thing that was really interesting was uh, driving along um, Loch Ness. And it was pointed out to me that the hillside along Loch Ness was the same geographical makeup, or I'm sorry, geological makeup as the Appalachian Mountains in the United States. And I was like, hey, that's where I'm from. Um, and then there's that when Pangea broke, that's where we get the Appalachian Mountains and that same, no wonder I feel at home there, right? Like we share a geological past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Has has it inspired you to write Sky? It has. Actually, I was told the first time I was there and uh and I was cold and I was I mean, I was in like four layers and I was freezing and I was I had booked this van trip because a friend had mentioned um oh, you should go to Sky because I didn't have I was like, yeah, I'll be in Scotland for a few days, what should I do? But um the the tour guide told me, um, he was like, Amanda, I, I know a house and I think you're going to come back to this house. And I think you're going to write something amazing in this house. And he pointed out the house and, uh, I've been back now for two summers 
writing in that house. I don't know that I've written anything amazing in it yet, but, um, I did make it part of, I made this like toss away comment from this <laughs> band driver, <laughs> made it a part of my life story now. Um, so. Well, that's awesome. You know, that's, that's to show that opportunities and, you know, come from absolutely anywhere. You know, you don't know who's going to be the next person in your life to tell you about this place or that food or that book that you really need to yeah. see or to try or, and then you're going to just you know, fall in love with it. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's what I always wanted to do with my life is just follow the opportunity. Um, and you have to give yourself space for that. You can't, um, you can't say this is exactly the path that I have to be on. This is exactly what adults do. Um, I mean, adults get to do whatever we want. I don't know why I kept like, <laughs> yeah. like this is the checklist. Like, just add stuff to it. Like, it's, we can do whatever we want. I, I, I very like frequently feel like a child with money. You know, not really yeah. like a child with money. <laughs> That's what I would describe it like. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And I think that's one of the things that um, appeals to me the most about this lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You, can, you can make your changes. Any changes you need to, you can roll back. Like there's, you just don't have that like, well, and it only affects so many people, right? And mo mostly big decisions I make in my life, like, oh, I'm going to go spend a month in Scotland, um, really just affects me, you know, maybe access to my parents or, you know, friends for it, but it really only affects me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely understand. Well, Amanda, it's been such a pleasure to have you in my show, but before I let you go, is there anything, anything at all that you want to add uh, to my audience? Um, just check out the retreat. I'm looking for uh, five women to join me uh, in Sky in July. Um, there's magic on the island of Sky, and uh, come take part in that magic and let it affect your life too. Awesome. I'm going to leave you guys Amanda's uh, links in the description of this episode, uh, the link to her website, to the Isle of Sky program, and everything. So you can go and check it out if you're interested. Again, thank you very much for your time, Amanda. It was a pleasure having you here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.